Can you hear that hand clap in there, gentlemen? That's awesome. The Overtime Podcast on the air once again. And Dylan Talkovic's going to join us here in studio. And uh, we are going to, of course, start with this. Do you know what this is? Not a clue. Give it a listen. Okay. This is fantastic. This is something we're experiencing right now here in the state of Minnesota and the state of hockey. I might have started it a little too soon, but we'll just let you build up your anticipation for what this is. We're almost there, boys. It's almost showtime. Okay, I can't wait for you to uh, figure out what this is, but you are, you are in the middle of this right now yourselves if you follow the Minnesota Wild. Okay, ready? Oh, I, I know what it is. Hang on, hang on. I still don't know. Here we go. Where are your hands right now? In the air. That's right. Whoa. <laughs> Riding the roller coaster. Yes! The roller coaster ride is real. Yeah. Wow, how about that? That I mean, was good. It yeah. took me a while to figure it out, yeah, but I got well, it. I started it too soon, but you get, it was a steady climb. <laughs> yeah. Um, Did you look up a valley fair? No, I just roller coaster oh. sounds and just pulled it up. And Love it. There we go. The rest is history. But let's be honest, uh, this club couldn't be playing better. They've got one goal games everywhere. That game in Boston was a nice step, too. Uh, now they're 3-3-1. Three, three, and one. They're no longer in last place in the Central Division. They're climbing a win or two away. They're atop the Central Division. And uh, they're suddenly playing defensively incredibly well. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury has been a big story. He's been absolutely terrific. But there's one thing that's really noticeable. It's how quiet he is. Sure, he's athletic and flails a little bit, but he's uh, very quiet. So when his pads are moving, there's not openings. They're together. They're on the ice firm. Uh, the pucks are going now where he wants them to. And maybe it took him a game or two to get into uh, midseason, what we would call cup form. So I'll be the first guy to say, man, this is atrocious. And then I'll be the next guy to say, damn, that's good. And I'm saying that's really good. I think you've seen, Pete, how much can change in just a week or two. I mean, we know he's a Hall of Fame goalie, going to be one day, but now he's starting to look the part here. He looked mm -hmm. done. Would you admit that? I would. I mean, he we were all like, questioning it. Yeah, yep, for sure. But he's and you know what? It could happen again because we'll we'll use that roller coaster because we could be on one. Yeah, definitely. Certainly. It's a long season. I mean, 82 games is, is a long way. We're only seven in. That's less than 10%. So... Yeah, it is going to be riding the wave, but certainly a lot of encouraging things, especially getting out on the road. I think that's been really good for this team. I, I was almost begging for it. And I, I've watched some Minnesota Wild teams play well at the start of the year. We see them get to those good jumps. But they seem to be home a lot between Thanksgiving and the Christmas break and uh, or the Christmas time, holiday season, I guess, as we call it these days. And they basically are almost look like they're domesticated you know just unengaged family functions a sure. lot of them had kids you know this is a little bit of a younger team but you know the deal and uh, you you can pretend all you want and I've always said that I feel like teams that are loaded full of single guys seem to do a lot better because their distractions are basically their Fortnite and whatever else they're doing <laughs> you know yeah and hockey and there's I'm not like being weird I just I've watched teams it's really difficult when you're in your 30s and you've got four, five, six-year-olds 
who have hockey games or dance or school or all of the other things, sure, you want to take a nap because it's game day and you've got a routine and a function that happens. Tell that to a two or three year old. That ain't going to happen. So it's really these are, but these players aren't the first players to have families and deal with it. I'm just suggesting it seems to have plagued this team for about an eight-year period. My opinion. Okay. It's a theory. It's an interesting There's, thought. It's not yeah. steeped in fact. It's just a theory. Interesting. I never really thought of it that way, but I, you definitely could have a point. So I mean, it may, it may be worth nothing, but it may be worth, hmm. You know, it's just yeah. worth throwing out there. But this group um, has committed after uh, Matt Zuccarello had said we're, we're playing uh, defensively like an effing junior team, which basically means that's a showcase league where guys are trying to be seen as offensive forces and they're skipping their own zone, the neutral zone, and not forechecking appropriately. And it felt as though this team was really falling in love with their preseason approach of we are absolutely showtime danglers and we're going to be tic-tac-toe everywhere we go. And the fact is, is that doesn't work when you have to play grinded out hockey. And all of these teams are good, and they're not going to give you the space mm-hmm. that you had maybe in the preseason. And I think they had a false sense of security that maybe they were a little bit better. And uh, the wake-up call appears to be have uh, heated. And I like the line combos. Would the two of you have expected Frederick Gaudreau uh, to be as good as he is I, in the role he's in on the top line? I don't know about the top line. I think last year we saw some f- really good flashes of him in, in a later line role, third, fourth line. But in the top line, certainly, no, I don't think I expected that kind of production. Yeah, and, and I think it's I think there were some eyebrows raised, perhaps not the most you know, offensively skilled centerman that we have maybe, but he can do some of the dirtier things for those two wingers to allow them to do what they do best where they're not, let's be honest, not our strongest defensive players, but they're going to score you goals. And he, he keeps the puck moving. If nothing else has John Merrill solidified things personally and physically on the ice. Probably. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's easy to say, Ooh, that guy comes in the lineup and everything changes. It's not, a lot of those things were uh, weird uh, decisions and turnovers and uh, defensemen who were coughing up pucks deep, forwards who were turning them over at the far blue line, which turned into numbers the other way, forwards who were absolutely looking completely screwed up in the defensive zone and uh, not following the structure of what they were expected to do. Uh, but... Uh, there can be something to be said about chemistry and mm-hmm. all of the things that play into that too as well could have an impact. One thing that surprised me, guys, and I don't have the numbers. You're the statistician, Matt. I can look it up. What uh, do you mean? Wild power play, where is it ranking in the league as well P- as well the PK? Both have been uh, very effective. I think the PK better than I would have expected mm-hmm. at this stage of the year after what it was last year. Yeah, definitely. And, and another, you know, absence, we were looking forward to Jordan Greenway coming back and his return lasts all of what? About one period. So to see that they're overcoming some of that even without him could be even stronger. Cross our fingers that he can get that shoulder healthy. But is this the same shoulder that I be- he I believe it is. OK. Yeah. OK. So here you go. Your power play percentage. What do you think it is and where do you think it ranks among the league leaders? Twenty two percent eight. I'm going to say. 27% fourth. If this is correct, the wild power play is 31.03, and they are impressive. third in the league, only behind the defending cup champion Colorado Avalanche wow. and Western Conference final appearance last Addison. year. 
Edmonton Oilers. Kalen Addison. Kalen are, are, Addison. Are we giving him all the credit, or what are we doing? As the, as the uh, you know, every so every loves to give the quarterback, yeah, the, the credit. You know, I don't know. I think they get more than they deserve. But. Also, a top five scoring team in the league with three point seven one goals per game behind Pittsburgh, Boston, Edmonton. Got to be the worst defensively. Uh, let's take a look. I mean, even with the string of top five defense, the Minnesota Wild rank fourth to last. Okay, there you go. Ahead of L.A., Anaheim, and Arizona. I mean, I guess two thoughts Bottom on feeders. Yeah, two thoughts on the power play. One, it's it's a heater to start the season. I mean, it just like we talked about with the teams play in general, it'll cool off and they'll go through stretches. It seems like that's what happens in a long season. But I think you look at Addison is a key cog, and then I mean, Kirill Kaprizov just continues to be. I mean, where do you rank him in terms of offensive skill players in the league? I picked him one. I picked him one in my fantasy draft because I do think he's the best. And people will be, McDavid, McDavid, McDavid. I, great, good. Um, I, I mean, I, I say, know, I say hmm? top five for let's, sure. Let's be honest. Yeah. Look at the wild lineup. I know. They've got a 36-year-old uh, Matt Zuccarello who's been absolutely on fire and unbelievable. But you've got a whole bunch of other guys that weren't uh, the level of picks that uh, that Edmonton has, and Leon Dreisaitl, and on and on and on and on. And they've had Taylor Hall, and they've had uh, Ted Nugent Hopkins, uh, <laughs> whatever. You know, they they they, they, they yeah, I know. Um, I know what you're doing. They they, they they there's a there was just there've been a lot of guys over the years that have been in and out of there, and I get the dynamics, I get the explosiveness. But I will tell you that goal that he scored last night on that de- deflection mm-hmm. was a work goal. He was stopped by a defenseman who positioned himself perfectly. He spun himself open, kept working, kept working, kept his stick wear on the ice. Here comes a great feed from Spurgeon. And, of course, he's got the deft hands to deflect it where it needs to go for a huge goal for Minnesota on what? The power play. Thank you. And he, he executed that. I think what he is, what isn't noticed, what I really judge players on is think about uh, a guy that looks like might have him beat coming up the right wing wall and he's on the left. Let's just say he's kind of moving and you're like, okay, and that's usually you get through your first wave there and then you move it to somebody. He always seems to have this uncanny knack with his stick to poke it and get it right on that, that puck and somehow force the turnover and he's back the other way. Not a lot of players do that. Not a lot of players play well body on body, on the wall, in front of the net, like he does. Not a lot of players command the respect when he starts doing the circus clown mohawk, (laughs) you know, and he does that thing. But when he's on the puck, nobody really can go to him because he can beat you. I honestly think he is among the best defensively or uh, offensively in the league, if not the best. I picked him first for a reason. It's it's hard to argue with that. I mean, I think you look at... You know, those top players we talked about, the McDavid's, the McKinnon's, the Dreisaitl's, you know, they're playing center ice as as well. And, I mean, I I wouldn't pick – I don't think there's another winger that you could really pick. I mean, Kucherov is in that conversation. You know, maybe Panarin. Um, Of course, ironic that they're all Russians. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I think think I'd agree. I think Kirill is is tops right now in terms of of wingers across the league. Uh, We talked about power play percentage. Let's talk – penalty kill here okay pete and brandon uh where do you think the wild percentage is league-wide and what do you think that percentage is ask that again can you give me the 
penalty kill percentage for the Wild oh, and wh- where it ranks league-wide? I think it's good from what I've watched, but maybe it's not. I think it's good. I'm going to say that the Wild PK is clicking at uh, 87.5%, uh, good for 13th. Brandon? I think they struggled early. I'll go 79 and 18th. Brandon's pretty good at this stuff. So they're 16th in the league, and currently they are at 78.57. So Brandon missed it by half a percent. Those first few games. Wait, what's their number? 78.57. We're welcoming in our guest here who's going to be joining us here in a second. Wow. Okay. That's not good. But no. again, it's that first two or three games. Yeah, okay. Since right then, the they've been a lot can, can, better. Can you, can you go through those and break those down into what they've been since they've been three zero and one? Let me see if I can. In their last that. four, you can't, can you? What are you on right now? I'm on a website called it Covers. It looks like it's a betting site, but they've got <laughs> a lot of info on it. So. A betting site. Okay, so we, we don't need to worry about that. So uh, clearly, they're uh, they've turned their their tables. They head to Detroit and then Chicago, back to backs, and then back home, and that makes me nervous. Being back home, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they got to find false, find their footing the here at some sense point. The false sense of security. I know they did last year, which was really good. I, I think you you hope that maybe the road trip kind of got things sorted out right and they'll come home a little more focused this time what do you guys think of the new line combos i we got a coach in here we'll get to him in a second yeah yeah yeah. everybody like just absolutely drills down on the line combos it's like okay oh (laughs) can i just go there for a minute i don't need to see a tweet of the line combos at the morning skate i don't does anybody really is that directed at anybody in particular i mean but does anybody anybody in the media like does anybody care who the line combos for tonight do you care I mean, do you wake up in the morning and go, God, I wonder who's on the wild line combos? There are people out there like at that. At the pregame though. skate. It does intrigue me at times. Oh, my God. At do times. you really? At times. Dylan, how do, do you give a shit? Do you care? Nope, not one bit. Okay, good. <laughs> how about you? There you go. Do Personally, you I don't really care. No. But I know there are people that do. Mm. So it's I, different. It, but, Okay, I'm that's feeling fine. the eyes at me now. I don't know. I just no. I, I get like it. to see. I'm that's like, fine. okay, are we getting Rossi some some skilled players to play well, with? Well, t- to me, part of it's like Christmas. I'm opening up the present and uh, what's in there. You know, what do we get tonight? Yeah, surprise me. Right. You know, that's why I go to the game. I want to know. That's that's fair. That's so. fair too. I don't religiously look at that. Okay, okay. So. But it was just me freelancing for a minute there. <laughs> But, but but speaking of Rossi, um, looking very good too. You got to give him opportunity clearly, and I think he needs to be with certain types of players. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think things get different though uh, when when Greenway do they go back to the grief line or what do we what what happens there or are things going too well with the with Hartman Eck and uh, who does he have on the wing or who do they have the other is it guy? Boldy on that line Boldy. What, what what do they do? I mean, do they break that up now? Or, I don't think you, you know, can put Harmon back at center ice. But we were told the other night on the Wild broadcast that that's the identity line, and then a shift later it wasn't the identity <laughs> line because he was hurt. What is an identity line? <sighs> Shouldn't all of your lines be identity lines? It kind of feels like it kind of feels like the identity line for the Wilds, who's ever on X wings. Honestly, but, that's but, what they just but, keep. But what you're saying is is that. That line is the line that makes you look like what you are. Meanwhile, you've got 12 other guys or nine other guys that have to make you look like what you are. And the one thing, and I'm going after this because it's something important to me, I don't like the term first line, second line, third line, fourth line. Because if you've been anywhere around the National Hockey League, 
sure these guys are awesome. We get it. Okay, that you know they they should be the perceived first line. But there were nights on uh, games number one and games number two where they weren't the first line because they were defensive disasters. Absolutely. Okay? But the fourth line <clears throat> could have been the. First line because they were playing better. So what they'll do is they'll give you the minutes to the to the, any one of those twelve guys that are earning the right to do it. And I know I've read between the lines if you read and listen to what Dean Evison has to say, he doesn't look at it that way. And 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 Matt uh, Zuccarello said it again yesterday where he said we're a four line team. Um. I don't think you can find a better way to make a team a team than having your top point getter with 11 points who's been lights out for two years here uh, of his three. To say that, that is one of the most all-encompassing, inclusive statements you can make to your team, that we're a four-line team and everybody matters the most. I think that's what matters, and that's what I'm excited about. Yeah, and, and that's a totally fair point. And, and I think that is what you see from the Wild, where their strength is a lot in their depth up front. They can roll all four of those lines, as, as you're alluding to, and all of them maybe play a little bit differently, but they all can bring something different to the table. It's not it's not a one-line team, no, no. certainly not. And I, I think, okay, quick before we get to uh, our uh, coach from the Hopkins yes. Royals here in a minute, um, do, do, what do you think, Matt, the Wild's identity is? Well, I think... Anytime you have a, a big identity and you want to find that big identity, I think really the ultimate goal is you got to win, right? But what is their identity? That's the thing. I mean, it's to me, it's too early in the season. You don't know. It's too early. Okay. I think we're going to learn that in the next couple you don't weeks. know. Correct. What do you think? Right now, it's pace and space. Hmm. They're not an overly heavy team. They're, they're starting to turn some of the defensive narrative around. But I, I do believe they're best off the rush. I, yes, and they were best off the rush it's last that, year. That's what it was last year. And, and when it and got to the playoffs, they struggled. So the point is, is when you have the ec, uh, the grief line, if you will, when you put it in deep and you work off the end wall, which they do so effectively, those three guys do that. But that's not the team's identity at all. No, uh, that's what those three guys do, and they make a difference and change the pace of the game. But that's what their role is. Mm -hmm. But that's not the team's identity. I do think it's uh, pace. It's puck movement. It's smallish defensemen, uh, getting a little bit bigger. Uh, I'd like to see Schuster up here at some point. I love the big frame, <laughs> but but it's it's getting it's peeling it off the wall. It's moving it. It's transition. Um, it's creating chances off the rush with players to the net. Yep, it's skill. They're that, not overly that heavy. That to me is the identity. They're not, and that's the identity of the identity of this team is what you said. Hmm. I would agree, one hundred percent. Was that known, Matt, at the first three games? Definitely not. No. It was, it was completely a different situation because they didn't really play to their identity. But part of that is is that they have to have tight, sound, solid defensive zone coverage. And I think sometimes people will blame bad defensive hockey on defensemen. They're two of five guys. Mm -hmm. The other three guys have jobs to do, and sometimes they uh, skip steps in order to even at the pro level, be three steps ahead into that rush and that transition. And they forget that sometimes you have to burn a shift in your D zone because they're good too and you don't get chances. That's a good shift if they didn't score and you limited their chances to a, a one-and-done shot to the crest of the goaltender, right? Yeah. So uh, that wasn't happening, and it's happening now, and it's actually been fun to watch. When it's been 2-1 to one late in the game, you're going – Oh my God! <laughs> They're going to win a one-goal game. No OT. You know, I mean, it, it. But you know, it felt to me the thing I felt like 
two nights ago in Montreal and then again last night in Ottawa was that these feel like real hockey games. And whatever that was at the XL Energy Center felt like an absolute disaster, disjointed mess. And it's super cool to watch that be fixed Mm -hmm. and be better. And really, in the end, uh, credit the coaches for helping refocus the the players to where they needed to go, but really credit the players because they're the ones that have to do what they have to do to play to that identity. Well said. All right, we're going to take a break when we come back. Dylan Talkovic, is that how I say your name? Perfect. Got it right. From the Hopkins Royals joins us. We continue on the Overtime Podcast right after this. Back here at the Overtime Podcast, I want to remind you that today's coverage is presented in part by the Meta Sports League and also by Meta Buttes, of course, their product, a hockey-themed NFT project from the Meta Sports League. You can check them out at metabutes.io for more information. That's M-E-T-A-B-E-A-U-T-S dot I-O. And also by Jack Lynx, steak strips so thick and tender, they deserve their own slow jam. And by Sniper's Edge Hockey, synthetic ice and skills tools for you to train anywhere and improve your game. You can shop them online at snipersedgehockey.com. And the Prospect Exchange, TPE, evaluate, share, and advance. And, of course, Pete Wagner's favorite, SLP Nutrition. You can check them out, St. Louis Park Nutrition, at SLP underscore nutrition, and also on Facebook at SLP Nutrition. We'll throw it back to Pete Wagner for our next segment. We welcome you back to the Overtime Podcast. Dylan Talkovic, the head coach, new head coach of the Hopkins Royals, joins us. And uh, we had a little bit of a uh, debate going on here. We're talking Premier League. You know, we always try to squeeze that in there. It's your favorite topic. Yeah, whenever there's been a sacking, these guys will always let me know. I mean, now it's just what we call it. It's a sacking? Yeah, anybody that's been gassed. So we just go down that road and just say, "Ah, you know, he was sacked. But anyway, um, so what sticker does he have there? Is that Liverpool? I see a Liverpool sticker over there. And you you took Dylan some uh, homage to that. Come on, you Spurs. (laughs) All right. So that's your deal. Yep. And then who are you, Matt? Chelsea. Okay. This is a bit of a phenomenon. You guys aren't quite, I mean, he's older than you guys. We're pretty young, though. But you're all still young. You're He's youngish. Yeah, you guys are. You guys <laughs> are young. It. Okay, so there are a lot of people that are into that league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what has? How how did you get into it, Dylan? I mean, what so got you there? I actually became a fan of Tottenham. Um, not watching the Premier League, actually. I was sick as a dog in like 2009, 2010. Wow, at home and well. So it would have been a Tuesday or Wednesday night because that's when Champion League, yeah. Champions mm-hmm. League's games are. So I was just flipping through. They're playing Inter, which if anybody's a Tottenham fan, look back to that game. It was <laughs> absolutely incredible. And, yeah, I was hooked from then on. It was absolutely amazing. And then even back then, though, the Premier League games really weren't on, you know, Sunday, Saturday morning like mm-hmm. they are now. The coverage is amazing. Co- really I think that's why it's caught yeah. on. It's as a sports fan myself, what is better in the morning to be able to have a cup of coffee and flip something on and have a competitive game on? How about you guys? What got you guys hooked in? That was really well said. Honestly, I I was kind of a, I was a little bit orphaned for a while in terms of a team. I watched the league a little bit, but went to college, didn't watch it as much. And it was actually a Champions League game for me as well, Liverpool-Barcelona 2018. And just seeing the, it was, any Liverpool fan will know that game as well for the huge comeback, turning around a 3-0 deficit against the mighty Barcelona and just the atmosphere at, at Anfield, which is Liverpool stadium was just something I'd never seen before. So I was hooked. 
at that point. Yeah, for me, I had a a teacher in high school who my English teacher was from uh, London, which is where Chelsea plays, and he was a huge Chelsea fan. fed. Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. And so I kind of caught on to them. They came to the Twin Cities to play over the summer, and um, I didn't really start following it until the uh, the team, until really recently, but I got to go to the game, see them live. It was a great experience. My exposure was uh, probably five, seven years ago when it started showing up on NBC Sports Network. Yep. And they would do those. um, They'd have a match of the day, and then they'd have the mini games um, where it would be, what, 90 minutes broken into 30, maybe. Mm -hmm. Uh, I found that interesting, but it was kind of tough to follow how the buildups were happening, you know, but it was still cool. Um, And for me, I would watch a full day of, American football, and then this would be just like a really cool way after the NBC uh, game of the week uh, with my boy Al Michaels. By the way, who does anybody watch those prime games on Thursdays? I mean, it, a few. I've watched yeah, kind of few, brutal. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but but it doesn't. It, it feels like it's floating out there. I, I don't know. Am I wrong? Well. I'll just say, first of all, I've never really been a huge fan of Thursday Night Football in general. I think the games, they're just not... You give NFL players a three-day work week, it's just not going to be a good game. I I personally don't get it, but Amazon played a crap ton of, paid a crap ton of money, and it's not they going away. Down. Well, it feels like it's removed from the weekend. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You could sneak the Saturday in there when they start getting there toward playoff time. Okay, get it. But that Thursday is a ways away. Yeah. Personally, I I wish they I wish Amazon maybe you do a Monday night game. ESPN gets to keep their Monday game, and then you Amazon doubleheader type of thing. I don't know, but they think they're introducing like a learning curve too to the consumer. Like, sure, we're used to streaming and stuff like that, but Amazon is not known as for the when people say Amazon, the first thing they don't think of is streaming right now. Yeah. So it's like, well, it's it's weird to me. It's true, and I think when it comes to that. A lot of people do have it, right? Mm-hmm. But do they use it, right? And actually, that's you, the weird part. And uh, Jeff Bezos was even saying how he was really trying to get people to say it's on Prime, it's not on Amazon. Really trying to differentiate the mm, video service right. being Prime versus the product side being Amazon. Interesting. So they have a branding issue that they're right. dealing with. NBC. The funny thing is, is I was a big fan of NBC Sports Network when it first started because I felt like that was really pushing ESPN. Right. And I, I liked their talent. I liked their their games and what they had. I was very appreciative of what the NHL was doing with NBC. I'm not happy with the ESPN stuff. No. Um, it's too... It's 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 marginal at best. I, I will argue that MNHockey.tv productions with our talent will be better. Love straight up, that's, that's a hot that, take. That, I love that, it. No, that's not. That's not, that's that's a straight up fact. What's your stance on the TNT crew? Um, okay, I think they're they're solid. Yeah, that's I think a, that's an interesting good. question because I like the TNT component. I love that Wednesday night game. I mm-hmm. always have. It's a perfect middle of the week breakup thing. Uh, TNT is good, and I, uh, how do you how do you say no to Biss? Right, right. <laughs> I, just I mean, think, like that guy's the man. Right. So, I wonder if the NHL is a little bit of an issue. You know, like you're kind of getting these competing media groups, almost too yeah. many competing talents. Well, you're losing back to my word from segment one. Your identity a little bit. There you go. So is 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 your 
ESPN comes off very lazy toward its hockey to me. And they're pretty just, lazy on everything, to well, be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, they, they're sort of a glorified MTV. And, you know, I've gone yeah. off on that a few times where when I grew up, it was, you know, if you if you couldn't see a band live before MTV, you would like look at the jacket, the album jacket mm-hmm. or the liner notes, the little book they'd give you with some cool live photos. Or you would go to uh, the concert maybe get a poster and that was the closest you could get other than to listening to it, which really led to, I think a lot of weird romanticism in it was about the music and then MTV comes around and it's like, wow, we got Friday night concerts, rush is live. You know, here's Aerosmith. It was like, okay, this is, this is interesting and cool. But then the videos started changing the style of music, but at least there were videos and music, and that's all it was. And then they're like, well, hey, let's let's get VH1 going for the old folks who want to have a little different type of music from this, the Cure stuff that I, we were listening to, which I love, and all that kind of thing, to then it just becomes these stupid spring break, out of control, dumb shows, and that's all it is. I mean, I, I was flipping through the TV the other day, and what did I see on MTV? The whole day. Jersey Shore. Ridiculousness. Oh, yeah, ridiculous. That's all they had for 24 <laughs> hours. Like, how many shows of that could you possibly record? And you're only running one show. What was so proud with the VJs and the 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 in-band interviews, the whole reason. Have you guys have you guys seen the greatest uh movie ever? This is Spinal Tap. No. I've seen it probably okay. once. You know where I'm going. You two you, Matt, <laughs> need to watch this. Basically, what it was, it was a spoof on a band from England, and they'd be on those. Um, <laughs> they'd be like being interviewed. You know how they had the legs crossed and the, and the cigarette like up in the air like sure, this. Sure. You know, and they're talking about their art as though it was you know Monet or, or Picasso, <laughs> like the most important thing that they've ever created. You know, like a fine wine or whatever. That's like wow, you guys are just like. But that's how they were, and that's how it was. What I'm getting to this is a long roundabout way of saying ESPN used to be the mother load. And it used to be like that. It used to be, wow, we've got sports now. We've got sports anchors. I don't have to sit through news. News in the 70s, boys, depressing. It was <laughs> brutal. I mean, it's just constantly, oh, my God. And then now you get to the ESPN, and you're like, I can escape it all. Here we go. You know, it wasn't political. It wasn't anything. It was just the games. And um, then we get games of the week and we get more games and more games. And now it seems like they've just tried to be so many things to so many different people that they've lost their focus mm-hmm. of sport. I, I think the thing that stands out to me about that, Pete, is they want to be the place that has everything. That's why, you know, they've got the NBA, MLB with Sunday Night Baseball. And that's how it started. Right, exactly. But what you're seeing is you're not seeing hockey get sort of that same treatment that you would get with other sports and that's it feels like it sucks. it feels like it's a little bit lean yep. in its its importance how for sure it? absolutely for sure i mean they may try to make it appear that way now when you go to the tnt cast to dylan's original point you know you go between periods it's pretty good stuff yeah who's Very your good. favorite between period host on tnt are you just talking on the panel yeah oh it's biz i'm a chicklets guy how do you not go wrong right how about you <sighs> I don't know. I 
I think I think a, an easy way to draw the line from the NBC. Rick Tockett. Rick Tockett. <laughs> Rick Tock's got he, some great stories. He's, yeah, uh, great. he's just a classic hockey coach. But anyway, I, I like Liam McHugh. I think he does a great job tying everything together. Liam McHugh was, to me, the epitome of what NBC Sports Network was oh, like. He was Why I liked it because he's, he's sort of dry, but really pro. I think you've you know? seen a little bit more of his personality come out uh, with How, TNT. Well, you know, compared- he's bringing that out. Oh, oh, this. oh this. yeah, I for mean, sure. There's just no doubt. For everybody. Yeah, there's just yeah. no doubt there. But I, so when those two pregames came out last year when they made the switch, I looked at the ESPN thing and then I looked, I looked at TNT and I'm like, ooh, this isn't going to be good. Right. Because they're so opposite. So right. polar opposites. Well, I think ESPN went for the names. They did. Yep, the, they did. The Mark Messier, sure. the Chris Chelios. But you wonder, like, did you do any pre-screens? Well, and well, the, the problem with the Messier Chelios thing is, <laughs> oh my gosh, gosh. legends, it's, absolute legends. It's so boring. But they're the, they, but they kind of bring the same thing. Yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they need a they they need a bis to make it. They need a foil. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they they need they need to have a little bit of extra grind to their to their game. Yeah. Um, I did think Chelly got way better later on in the playoffs. He started very slow. Uh, but by the end of the playoffs, I thought he was actually pretty good. Yeah, so I was going to say... Great, great content. And maybe yeah. this, is, this is the whole point of ESPN's hockey cover just being like nondescript, but who even called the cup final last year? Don't who? even remember. That's who, a great question. ESPN? Yeah. I it was remember. Sean McDonough. Was the Sean McDonough, player. right? Yep. Oh, so God. then this year, now now the cup <laughs> final... Knew, knew. Wow. I love now it. the cup final is going to switch back and forth, right? So you get TNT, and this was a discussion we had talked about a few weeks ago. Kenny Albert, I think, is probably the best hockey voice right now, nationally. So you get He's him on, on the cup final. and I need to get Gary Thorne back. Well, okay. That's so there you go. The, um, so I've modeled myself after Gary Thorne. I don't know if you've ever heard my stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so next time you listen, when I say he scores, it's sort of a ripoff of Gary Thorne. Okay. <laughs> I mean, so for my first one was Al Shaver. Okay. And people go, why don't you be Pete Wagner? Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, w- with a little bit of me, but, but he, so I was able to have some really quality time with him at the state tournament when he called it here oh yeah forgot about that so i went early specifically because i wanted to meet him mm-hmm. and um i was the first guy there at nine o'clock and he, he was there i awesome. couldn't believe it so he was sitting in the booth so i waddled in i said hey can i say uh can i introduce myself he said hey hey no problem so um i'm like uh yeah you know i do this i do high school and then i looked at his paperwork and i said uh how well do you know this stuff for these guys he goes not at all I said, would you like a little help? He said, that would be unbelievable. And so um, we sat from 9 until 10.30 going through every team, all of their storylines. And, you know, it was – and I don't know if he used any of it or none of it, but the fact was is it was just to talk to him about the craft. And I told him, out of all of the announcers that I've ever heard, there's nobody better. There's no better call than, and then after 20 years, Raymond Mark. I mean, that was absolutely amazing. Um, Nobody in today's game can even come close to him, and he's out there. Why is he not calling our games here? Isn't he doing like Baltimore Orioles baseball? He's doing some some O's. But why is he not on the wild games? Right. This market couldn't even handle that guy. He's that good. Yeah. I agree. Would you agree or disagree? With no, that? I'd agree. I think you're absolutely spot on. He's one of the best to ever do it. And I uh, love that call. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Uh, who's yours? My favorite right now, 
or of all time? Uh, both. Right now, my we'll favorite. We'll get into Hopkins hockey, but hey, all right, uh, I can talk this all day. <laughs> okay, this is great. My favorite right now is uh, Bob Wushushin, who is ESPN's oh, second voice. Okay. Tough one he, to spit out, but yeah. Yes, Wushushin. he is hands, in my opinion, he's hands down better than Sean McDonough. He should be the lead voice of ESPN. Oh. McDonough is okay, but he's very vanilla and dry. I, I'm I'm with you. On I mean, that. he doesn't get in the way of the game, and I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I'd rather if if you're going to do it, less is more. And he, and McDonough's okay that way. Yep. But it feels like when you're hearing his game, it feels like you're hearing him from '97, which was uninspiring, but okay and good. Yeah. And it's that way. But he's fine. You know, that's my opinion. Yeah. Uh, who's yours? Gosh, all time Doc Emmerich. Um, mm-hmm. It's just who I grew up with. Yeah. Um, right now, gosh, I don't know. It's tough. Slim Pickens. It is. It is a little bit. Um, what's his name? I, I like John Forslund. I think John, he's pretty he's good. definitely yeah, up solid, there for solid. sure. Are you dying to hear mine? Yes, let's hear it. Uh, I have to go. Man, there's so many. But uh, Gary Thorne, the B- Gary Thorne, Bill Clement tag team was um, absolutely magical. And I believe Dylan grew the game. These guys were babies. They're just right. being born, right? But I believe it grew the game. Absolutely. With, with them on ESPN, it was so good. They were just awesome, like amazing. So that would probably – but I have to rewind a little bit. Um Dan Kelly and Gary Green on the USA Network. Uh, Gary Green was absolutely amazing. You guys should go pull up some uh, footage of that on YouTube if you can find it. Al Troutweg used to be your uh, studio host on USA Network circa 1982. Wow. And Gary Green used to be a coach of the Caps way back when they first started. And he used to make these facial expressions, which were hilarious, when when Dan Kelly would be doing his talk. But he is just his love for being there was absolutely real and and terrific. Al Shaver obviously is a legend. It's really nice for me to hear Wally Shaver sounds a lot like his dad. He brings that really strong um, play by play raw. This is the game approach and. Um, it brings me back to my younger years, and you cannot find a nicer guy than Al Shaver. Mm. I mean, or I mean, Wally, he's just really good people, amazing. For today, um, in today's game, um, Jim Houston has always been mm. among my favorite. I think Jay Beninati is terrific. Oh, he's great. Actually, to be fair, his he ripped off my goal call because if you <laughs> if, if you hear that commercial they play all the time, yeah. that sounds just like mine. He stole it. <laughs> wow, you're calling him out? We'll have to yes. clip it in. Yeah. No, I think copyright he's, infringement. I, I actually think he should be doing more national cast. He used to. Uh, I know. Versus. Why not? He, did, he, yeah. he, he should be doing cup. I, I like his. I agree. His energy is super fun, and I I, I want like energy. Me too. The, oh, yeah. the other thing that you have to have when you do these games, and I think guys run into trouble, is pace, mm-hmm. is energy, but more importantly, a voice that can please cut through the crowd. There are some voices that aren't deep enough that can burrow through the crowd noise. You cannot hear them because it blends in. Have you guys ever experienced that any, anywhere? Have, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. for sure. It's, 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 a, it's a thing, uh, especially with the way they pump up the rink noises and yeah. the effect sounds on the Bra- arena, which it, which is <laughs> no, but I, <laughs> what, what, I mean, you know, okay, you turn sc- it down, Phil. You're on your 17th goal. You don't need to run the horn. Hey, are you going there this year? No, not anymore. We were going to. Oh, you're out. We're okay. out. Yep. Yeah, Kurt Giles. He, he, you know, can I share a little history lesson with you? Absolutely. 
Okay. Dylan obviously was uh, named uh, head coach of the Hopkins Royals, what, about two weeks ago? Yeah, right around October 1st. Yeah, October 1st. He uh, comes here via the Milwaukee Junior Admirals program, played uh, high school hockey at, uh, what was it? Catholic Memorial. I was going to say Memorial Catholic. Close Catholic Memorial, and uh, went to the University of Minnesota, studied there, and uh, is now coaching at Hopkins, came on as their JV coach. Eric Vetch ended up getting uh, more of an increased teaching job, true story, and went to to, uh, Northern Lakes, where he'll be on the Lightning uh, staff. By the way, we're doing their games on the mm-hmm. MNHockey.tv, which is very exciting. And then uh, Dylan threw, I mean, what, there's like a 13-person search committee there. Sounds like it, yeah. Yeah, there's like a huge search committee, and um, what I did hear is that you interviewed incredibly well, and that the most important thing, what why we're here, is it was the players uh, that connected with you the most. Glad to hear that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, fortunately been at Hopkins for, this will be my sixth or seventh year there. So, um, Oh, wow. You were in the Corey Peterson era. So uh, that's when I was at Bantams. So yeah, I spent uh, oh. two years. So I think started in 2017 or 2018 coaching Bantam A with Mikey Spencer, mm-hmm. uh, spent there for a couple of years. And then when Vecchi got the varsity job, okay. um, that's when I pulled up to, or got pulled up to the high school staff. So yeah, I spent the last uh, two years as the uh, head JV coach and also being a, a semi-assistant on the varsity staff as well. But yeah, so fortunately I've been around the program for quite some time. The, the graduating class that we had last year was, I think, my first team at Hopkins. So oh, wow. I've been able to develop some relationships. You grew up with, with them. I kind of did, yeah. I think mm-hmm. so. Um, yeah, so we've been over the last couple of years to be able to develop those relationships. And What have you learned? I mean, to the average listener, it's it's a program where, you know, I think some of the discussion is, can I say this publicly? I'm going to anyway. Yeah, going from double A to A, I mean, it completely makes sense. You have the smallest feeder program of teams of any youth program in Minnesota. Um, and there's some discussion. I mean, obviously, there's some enrollment. But the enrollment, is, you, know, you got a football team that lost like 85 to nothing. Yeah, but then I'm, you have a basketball team that will drill somebody one twelve to two. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, so and the, and then and then a, a baseball team that's going to the state tournament. So it, from a school perspective, you're kind of all over the place correct. athletically, and it's it's not an easy fix, and it's tricky. It's not an easy fix, but yeah, no, I've been open and, and transparent on yeah, my vision for the future of this program, and and that being, you might need to take a step back to move forward. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, so by April, I got to put my proposal together to get us down to to Class A, and furthermore than that, I mean, I. It's an honor to be part of the late conference, but anybody that's been surrounded or been a part of the late conference for the last, you know, five, six years knows that Hopkins hockey's not really been part of the late conference. No. And we don't play a full late conference schedule. So I think one part of the of the program that we really want to change is, you know, having that opportunity to go after a conference title year in and year out. That would be huge for the program. Um, in terms of yeah, moving down to, to single A, you already kind of hit the nail on the head there. I know MSHSL in the past has not looked at youth association size, so it is something that we're going to have to kind of get them to acknowledge. But, yeah, we're, we're vastly smaller than the rest of the uh, associations in our Section 6 AA. And actually, if you look at um, if we were to move over to single A and whatever section it might be, if it's the you know Minneapolis, Orono, and all that, that we're still not one of the biggest youth programs there. But that's on par with what our Bantams and our, our youth association plays. They're D3 at the, the youth level. So they're playing Mound. They're playing Orono. They're playing Osseo Maple Grove. So I think that would be great to be able to get us towards that kind of track where we're playing the same similar structure that we are at the youth that we are at the high school level. It would make a lot of sense. I know there's some people in the, not the high school league, but in the 
supporting areas that that will support that whole concept. So uh, you wake up one day, you find out that the guy that uh, you came on staff with uh, is moving on, and uh, then you say, well, shoot, what next? And um, you decided to move forward and, and, and do this. What does it mean to have a head coaching job for a Minnesota State High School League team? A complete honor, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, being a Wisconsin kid, first and foremost, that did not play beyond high school, in a million years, I don't think I would have ever thought that I'd be a head varsity coach in the state of Minnesota. Um, but I'll be forever indebted to Vecchi and giving me my first chance at JV hockey. Um, I knew that once I was given the opportunity, I was going to run with it. I wasn't going to take it for granted. Um, and when the uh, position opened up, when he took the Northern Lakes job, I did take a good couple of days to a week to think about, am I ready for this? Sure. Is this some, I mean, it is a big undertaking. It's one thing to be a JV coach in the grand scheme of my coaching career. I don't have even like 10 years of experience yet. Um, but I know my loyalty to this program. I know I had a vision for this program, too, that was more than just the X's and O's on the ice. I mean, Coach Vetch kind of laid the framework, you know, two years ago when he first came about that it was in his vision, too, to move the, the team from double A to single A. So I knew I could kind of continue that on, keep that momentum going. But, yeah, to sum it up in one word, it's just a complete honor. One thing that uh, Vecchi brought over from Edina is the winner's mentality. Um, of course we're going to win. What else are we going to do? You, this is why, you know, and, and you don't try to win, you just do. Mm-hmm. Did you feel that rub off on you from him in any way, sort of the can-do attitude? I know because it gets tough, sometimes you can lose that edge. Absolutely. Because, yeah, I'll admit, like, my second year at Bantams, that was a, that was a tough season. We had um, some kids that got pulled up to various high school teams, lost, I think, four people off that roster from when we Good grabbed. players. Good players, too. Yeah, I'm not going to undersell yeah. that. Um, so, yeah, we lost those, those guys, and that was a really tough year. And you can start to see that doubt creep in. Mm as the season goes on and that confidence when they're lacing up the skates dwindles as the year goes on. And it's that, Oh, five, nothing again after the first or second period. And what like, then they just shut back down. So, and that's, that was kind of foreign to me because growing up in the junior admirals association and the teams I played on, we weren't necessarily world beaters by any stretch, but I can confidently say through my youth career and even my high school career, I rarely, if ever laced up those skates, and was not expecting to win the game. Mm. So it's actually funny you mentioned this topic because uh, before I uh, got on here, I, uh, one of the uh, students at the school that's writing for the newspaper reached out to me and tried to or wanted me to sum up what am I going to do different? What will be different about this team that's going to result in a bounce back here? And my response was, it's actually not going to be X's and O's related. It's all going to be mindset related and mm-hmm. in two key areas, confidence, like we already talked about. Want, whatever it's going to take, I'm going to kind of do this thing called like Mentality Monday or Mindset Monday. It doesn't matter what we've done in the past. This is what matters now, the f- going forward and getting that confidence back that it doesn't matter who the opponent is. It can be a Dinah, it can be a Wyzetta, but while we're lacing up those skates, we're going to have confidence again. And then also handling adversity. I think you've seen it, Pete, watching. Yeah, we've talked about we've it. We've talked about this a little bit. It's Things can be going so great in a Hopkins mm-hmm. hockey game. We've all seen in the last couple of years the littlest hiccup. A penalty. The heads drop. It's not even a goal in the back of the net, but yet the heads will start to drop. So, right. hey, well, so it's, if I may, yeah. it's a penalty that leads to a power play goal. It's another penalty that leads to another power play goal. Then it becomes heads hanging, and then it's like, oh, my God, we're playing so-and-so. And a 4-1 lead turns into a 4-5-4 overtime loss. And in high school, you don't get the point for the overtime loss. Right. It, you couldn't have summed that up better. It's a snowball effect. <laughs> right. You know, one but thing that happens like every day. Absolutely. So it's getting, and getting the boys to understand hockey's a I game know. of ebbs and flows. 
For sure. Nothing is always going to go right. That's why it's not football. It's not set plays all the time. It's too fluid of a sport to always try to, you know, work in a rigid framework. So, boys, mistakes are going to happen. It's I'm almost okay like if you loops. could take a Premier League game. I'm sorry. No. Premier. <laughs> <laughs> if you could take a Premier fixture and, uh, and, and you say, now watch this. This team is, they, they've got a buildup going on here for 10 to 12 minutes. And they're on the ball the whole time. Does that mean those guys quit and, and shut down? No, they defend. It's part of the game because they're going to get theirs. And then they have it for another 15 to 16 minutes, or not maybe, you know, in time, but it seems like a long time. And it's all about possession and all about mindset. There are games when you defend. There's games when you don't defend. Exactly. There's moments in the games when you do and you don't. You can't, not everything is going to work perfect for you. And they're going to have theirs. Absolutely. And you're going to have yours. You uh, just got to have more. Understanding that. Yeah. Understanding that. It's okay to give up a shot, give up a low quality shot. Things like that happen. We will get our, that's perfect. Like you said, we will get theirs. Ride that moment, wave of momentum positively, but at the same time, when things start going the other direction, stay level. Don't let that get to you. And a goaltender might let in a real softy where you're like, whoa, thanks, buddy. But you know what? At the bottom line, as one, uh, the bottom line, <laughs> you have to say, you know, um, as a team, we pick you up. Absolutely. And uh, we got you. Instead of hanging your head and going, here we go again. You know, one of the things I did uh, with a group there years ago, um, we, were, we, were, we had Bantam A, Bantam B1. We didn't do B2 and C. And the reason we did B1, my opinion, I chose it, was because we had all of those guys that were ninth graders were ha we had to play on the JV team. So how are you going to get a guy that's playing C or B hockey to play against JV guys who are playing Bantam Double A in Eden Prairie or Minnetonka? Right. Because there's not room for that. It's just it's a joke. It's never going to happen. So we're we're going to even though B one might be higher for some of those guys, you've got to go baptism by fire, right. and you've got to pick up the pace and the tempo, and you got to learn to play within yourself. True story. We open up against Wyzetta Navy, their top team. Okay. Okay, you know how they weigh in. Yep. Makes no sense to me, but <laughs> they do it. Okay, so they're their best, you know, they're their there was no double A at this period. Okay. So it was like we we had a double A and an A team. How much would you like that as a coach? Wouldn't that be great? To have a double A and an A team? Yeah, that like if fantastic. we fantastic. That's what that's what uh they had back in the day. That's yeah. what Corey, that's what we were feeding him. Yep. Until it was like, Oh no, we're gonna go B two and A, you know, whatever. But there was no double A team. So okay. anyway, but the point there was no double A league at the time. Um, we lose 15 to one. Okay. Parents are beside themselves. Oh, they're just not going to like it. They're emotional. They're not going to play. It's like, you know, I had them in the room. I'm like, they're good. Mm -hmm. You know I mean? That's like, you guys want to do this or not want to do this? And they go, we do. I said, okay, well, so here's the thing. You have to put in the time away from here too to get to there. So then I went to the parents and I said, you need to turn the scoreboard off. Just turn it off. Don't even look at it. Just look at how they play and look at how they practice. So we worked a year. We end up getting to the Plymouth Ice Center, Rink C, home of the Providence Academy Lions. And uh, it's period break. Zam's coming out. We're now trailing 4-3. Okay. So we went from losing 15-1 to losing 7-5 um, with an empty netter. And, I mean, if you scoreboard watch, that's what you have. But the truth is, is it was a really, really good game. And we lost. But they had, we had our goalie pulled. <laughs> and who, you know, they scored, they scored 15 on us three months ago. So it was a mindset of really, for lack, screw them. 
they get up, they put the same shins on that you do, they grab the same twigs, you play the same game, I'm going to give you the structure that you should do, either you do it or you don't, and if you don't, we'll lose 15-1. That's what you're in, that's from me to you. Appreciate I that. Mean, we should just do that on a phone call. Yeah. On podcast, <laughs> but, but, no, but, 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 it, but that's kind of what I think. You yeah, know, and you and I, I kind of had a, a conversation about that similarly, yeah, yeah, yeah. too. Um, I actually was um, that, that Bantam team that I had that you know, lost all those players. When it gets to that point in the season, it's hard to establish, you know, like smart goals that you can't say, oh, we're going to go all of a sudden beat a team that beat us 13 to 1. It can't you, be on the result. It can't be on the result. But if we wanted to put, you know, what we decided to do, though, for that year was try to put some sort of tangible metric towards that on any common opponent. And we just called it bettering the result. So I think it was Love. something very similar to that. I think it was like Chaska Chan first oh, week of the year. Huge. 11, 11, 1, something like that. They're still playing the goal horn at 11 to 1 or oh. something like that. Um, and then, but you know, fast forward, end of the year, development mindset, getting better every single day and trying to not just only be fixated on the score result. I think it was one of the last games of the year, five, three result. That, that right there is tangible. Exactly. And it's process related. And then what happens when you do that is then you start churning out players who have an attitude. Um, hockey is about time and space and belief and believe it. You have to be able to skate. You ha- <laughs> Step yeah, I mean, one. Right, right. You have to have strength from hips to ankles and, and you know, one on board battles and, you know, you can't be blown away. You have to make good decisions and all of that. But really, hockey is, I believe, more of a mentality. And that circles back to what you said earlier. I think it's been lost. We're doing a hell of a job turning out incredible mitts on players and great skaters, which is good. But the mentality mm-hmm. is a tough thing. How do you coach that? That's a great question. Lead by example would be a first thing, you know, showing that we don't, as coaching staff, don't get flustered by the little thing and ebbs and flows of the game. Sure, I will. I will I'm a passionate guy. You know, when we score, I'm going to let the boys know that I'm happy about it. But at the same time, I cannot let my emotion show on the negative. You know, we get a, a someone throws a pizza in front of the net and the ends in the back of the net. Stay composed. Stay yeah. Don't let, let it show that it's going to get to me because I show that it gets to me then it's going to translate to the players. Mm-hmm. I truly think just energy and emotion is, as a bench coach translates directly into that belief. The players can pick up on it. Mm-hmm. When we start getting a little bit quick with the voice, getting a little louder, start r- sprinting up and down the bench, talking to the other coaches, the boys sense that. They sense something's going on. The coaches aren't comfortable with something. Yeah. But if we remain composed and calm and confident on the bench, that energy translates directly to those boys. Hired. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's true, though. I mean, because they feed off of what you're doing. And some of the some of the biggest mistakes I think coaches make are turning their attention to the officials, screwing them. Um, no, you're screwing yourself because exactly. you just made it worse because you're not changing it and you're not helping it. And you just built an excuse for 18 guys right here. Just stop. A built-in it's, distraction. It's a terrible. So instead, it is more about how do you maintain a confidence level. You know, I think the thing that's interesting is after that pizza's tossed out in the slot and you're buried, okay, that next response, you roll the new dudes out usually, typically, right? Um, you put them out. What is their body language going to the center ice circle? Uh, are they hanging their heads? Are they looking up at the ceiling or are they going out there with sort of a chip on their shoulder and saying, you know what, F you, um, I'm going to win this draw. I'm going to get it to my blue liner. Let's gain the center and let's just throw it in and go go to work and make you go 200 feet. It's that simple. Win the draw, get possession, 
take it away. Absolutely. I, I ask any of my JV guys pretty much every single game. I say, win the draw, take it back, get over that red line, and let's go. So there you go. Simple as that. Same page. We never <laughs> even talked about that. <laughs> but I also think, too, but, like the, but that's that, a big part of the game. Right. And after that goal, I think us as a coaching staff can help with that response by mm -hmm. being positive to that line that is about to go out there. Don't let them feel like, oh, coaches are, are mad that they just, you know, my teammate just gave up that, that pizza in front of the net. No, instill that confidence and positivity in them. I think if you talk to a lot of my, my current players or former players, that is something I am. I'm, I'm pretty positive at all times. No, of course, there's mistakes are made and that's coachable moments, but staying positive through those coachable moments, I think gets that message back and received a little bit better. Do you think it's a fine line between, you know, there's, there's players that want to get theirs. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to be at the next level. Then there are players that are worried about the result, which we all should be. But if it's not reality tonight, it's not. You just got to play. If you play well, it takes care of itself. Exactly. So if you, you know, you have, so you have the group that, you know, is worried about junior or college or what am I going to do when I grow up? I need to play hockey. And then there's the group that is, uh, I just want to win. It's, th there's dynamics it's how do you balance. blend all of that i think really driving home the fact that team success brings eyes to the individual yeah you have Ooh. a good you have a good team eyes will be there you may not think that the, the scouts are coming to see you they might be coming for your buddy they may be coming for the other team or the other team but guess what their eyes there mm -hmm. eyes find talent and i also think i mean it's awesome to be in the state of hockey but I think once one person in the community gets that offer, gets that commit, everyone else in that immediate circle starts to panic a little bit. Panic. Where's mine? Like you mentioned, too, where's yeah. mine? Yeah. And actually, it was, um, I watched a virtual coaches clinic the other weekend on the coaches site. And I think it was a fantastic study. Into, it was specific to Michigan high school players and where they play at certain Ooh, ages. going to be part of the uh, youth uh, part of our the network. Awesome. awesome. We're going to bring them on the network. So it was part of like, it was, I think, um, between high school age players, not necessarily that they played high school. Where do they play in the state of Michigan? Now, granted, Michigan does still have a, a strong triple A, yep. Little Caesars, CompuWare, Victory Hunt, whoever it is at that time, still big into that. But what they were talking about was, look, I think it was like a 200 person sample size or something like that. And out of the kids that ended up going to college and playing college hockey, the age of commit, 18.6 years old when they signed on the line. They're out of high school at that time. Mm -hmm. So everyone thinking that they need to get their offer as a sophomore or a junior or a senior, I think is actually kind of a flawed view if you look at the larger sample size. Um, and then looking at the average age of a college freshman in the game of hockey in the NCAA, it's almost 21 years old. I think it's like 20.6. Yeah. So even then, showing that, you got multiple years even after you graduate high school to have that opportunity. And there's, there's opportunities when you can pay to play in the NA3 and other versions of that around the, uh, the North America as well if, if you really want to pursue it. Personally, parentally, I, I don't know. I mean, going to ask you guys and then I'll ask you. How old are you, Matt? 22. Brandon? 24. Can you imagine Matt being a freshman? Or just turning into your sophomore year in college, mm. would you be going just ape shit right now? <laughs> Maybe like, get on with your life, okay? And you would be a junior. Yeah, it. it I mean, I'm glad you brought this up because I, I thought that was such an interesting piece. You know, I went. To, you know, I went to St. John's Division Three College, and almost all of our freshman hockey players on the the guy side were that age. They were 21. They did their two, three years of juniors, and it just felt like. 
I don't know. It was something weird about the team. Not, not. Yeah, I don't want to say well, they weird. Don't, they don't, but okay, a twenty-one-year-old freshman does not fit in with an eighteen-year-old. They freshman. were just. They were. It just Different. felt like They're it was so thing. insulated it's from the gross. rest of the I mean, student body. Absolutely. It's it's absolutely a flawed thing in college oh, hockey. I, I agree. They, hours they, with that. Yeah. It's ridiculous. They don't do it in basketball. They don't do it in any other sport. Fine. I get the red shirt because, you know, you just got a ton True. of people and that's part of it. And we had the COVID year 20 like Tanner Morgan has or whatever. He's like, a, <laughs> he's played a thousand games or whatever it is. <laughs> um, uh, 48,000 yards passing. Uh, a club record. <laughs> um, but, but I think um, uh, is it because it's to support the USA hockey model and junior hockey, or what is it? That's a great question. I really do not know the answer to that. But I think the 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 start when they're freshmen, you know, you got that eighteen year old freshman versus the twenty one year old freshman. Yeah, there's a gap there. But I think we've seen it when you look at the Frozen Four or the national titles of the last mm-hmm. couple of years. When you look at those, like I think Union is a really good example when they played the look at that starting age was like pushing twenty four years old. Minnesota, it's Minnesota all State. Of them. All of them. So I think that I think there's even a, maybe a bigger gap between that 24 year old man versus the 18 well, and 19 I've, year old boys that are on those. You know, ultimately, typically the bigger programs that are no, the my Gophers take are is those a, younger kids. My yep. take has been with with the Gophers over the years, and I think there's been some attempts at it, but they've had so many of the pick of the crop of the top round picks where you're going to be signing within a year, two, or three. It's gotten a little bit better where you know guys. Sammy Walker was a was a seventh round pick, mm-hmm. and he went through four years, and he he doesn't sign with Tampa, and he signs with the Wild. Cool, but there are a lot of players. Casey Middlestat, one and done. Was he one and done? I think so. I think yeah, so. one and done. Cool, he's going to be one and done. Probably. One and done. Yeah, for you know, sure. so you you got to bring these guys in as eighteen year olds because they're gone. They're just right. going to be gone. So they skip the junior process. These top round picks. And then they're out. And so then you get into this constant rotating revolving door where there's new players coming in and you never get any senior leadership at age 29, 30 like they are. I'm sorry, 24, 25, <laughs> like they are now, but you don't have it. And so it's really hard to compete on the national level mm-hmm. because right. your team is just young and revolving door. Yep. And that's what, you know, so when, when Don Lucia was here in the beginning of his run, he didn't have a ton of those guys booting. They were all here for a while and he was the first coach in forever that brought in players a couple uh from like i'm thinking about uh, the north dakota guys from out of the state but not a ton and then eventually it became okay well this kid you know he's in seventh grade he's going to be a first round pick i guess and then they started you know when they could do that start making all these verbal Mm -hmm. offers and they've got a billion guys and the ones that were first round picks come there for a year and they leave so parentally I'm not saying the game. It might be right for the game, but I would say as a parent of a of a of a kid, I would never want him to play junior hockey mm-hmm. um, because I would know if he was a National Hockey League level player because he'd be a first round pick. So what is how big is that goal to play NCAA Division One or three hockey? Is it really really worth it? Maybe it is. Maybe you feel as though there's all the time in the world. I'm seeing a ton of guys getting married at 25, 6, and 7 right now. And a lot of these guys that were playing <laughs> hockey were, were, were Dylan's like, not me. Uh, <laughs> Sarah probably won't listen to this, hopefully. Oh. <laughs> Are you guys talking about it? 
A little bit. Okay, so you're fine. Yeah. Yeah, you're exonerated. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, it's the element of surprise. So, but, but I mean, they're getting married and these guys are just getting done with hockey and then they're going to say, okay, where are we going to go? But what happens then is they've put so much time and effort into this game that then it becomes, well, I got to do something. <coughs> Bless you. I got to do something. So we're going to be drilled into the East Coast League as much as we can. And then you time out of that. And then it's like, well, what Euro League can I get in? And you'll do that till you're 33. And then they come back and they say, well, we say, well, what do you want to do, you know, for work? I don't know, hockey. Well, what does that look like? You know, what do you want to do in hockey? I don't know. You know, so uh, to me, parentally, I, I could never see my kid go play junior. I don't know what you think about that. But that's each family's decision, exactly. so I'm not yeah. judging. I think I'm just saying I couldn't do that. Right, and I think it kind of depends. You kind of hit the nail on the head there. Like being honest about where you see yourself and your trajectory. I mean, I myself, I had opportunities to do some um, some tryouts for junior teams. I knew the writing was on the wall that not, especially in 2009 when I graduated high school. Yeah, a lot of college programs weren't going to be looking for like a five foot five, 145 pound defenseman. The game's changed a little bit, but you know yeah. the writing was on the wall there. So <laughs> sure, I could have you know done the three year junior route, been a 21 year old freshman, and probably ended up in the same position I am right now. Mm-hmm. Kind of my point. So yeah, I think at the same time too, you know, it's everyone's got different family situations, personal situations. So you know, if that that player, you know. The only way to get college is they get some money for it. Go after that junior route. Hope not the paid junior route. But, you know, if you get yourself into juniors and you need that route to get yourself some money for college, absolutely more power to you. But I think it's all about, of course, we don't want to shoot, shoot down the dream. But at the same time, the player hopefully being open and honest about their path and having a support system around them that is supportive, but at the same time, open and honest and realistic. Well, there's, there's nothing wrong with trying. Right. And there's nothing in, and there's nothing wrong with trying to see a dream through. But there's also a little bit of reality in what is realistic, mm-hmm. what is not realistic. And I think the whole purpose of this kind of evolved discussion is it plays directly into what you as a coach now at the high school level and all the other coaches have to deal with. There's a lot of where's mine. Right. Uh, there's only so many junior jobs available, and there are only so many. I mean, still, if 94, 95% of the players don't play junior or college, that means most of them aren't going to. But what it does is it puts a lot of pressure on you as a staff. Some people come from the school of thought, well, if I'm on a championship team and my kid's a champion, and I say I because they act like they're on the team, mm-hmm. um, and they're a champion, then the next thing you know, uh, that means they're good. But it doesn't necessarily mean they are. Um, what, whose decision is it? Is it really the player's decision? I bet you if you asked a bunch of those players and it was their own thought, I, I'd be curious to know how many would be just good with having a really strong high school hockey run. I'd be curious to know what that looks like. What do you think from the rooms you've had? I actually think you've hitting on something there. I think a lot of times when, if you were to ask a kid, you know, maybe prior to 10 years old, the dream's NHL. Every one of them. Me once, included. Once you hit 15, 14, 15, 16, I think that's when the real, you, you know, you start to be a little bit more realistic as you're at your, your progress or your, what your future is in the game of hockey. So, yeah, I think you're onto something there. I think truly around that time is when that pivots. And I think for a lot of kids, it would be, yes, I want to have the most successful hockey season I could be, can have or um, career I can have because that's going to be end all be all of it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would pay a lot of money to be able to run out on the ice for a competitive game one more time. I think a lot of us could just that right. adrenaline rush. That's so cool. It, it's yeah. what, I don't, there's not a feeling like that in the world in front of your friends and your family and all of that. So 
trying to re- I remind all the, my seniors that last year, JV or varsity, like cherish that feeling, guys, because you might not have it again. So I think, yeah, it's really getting to, I, I would say the vast majority of a high school locker room, especially at our program, would be just trying to have the most successes in their high school career as possible. I think if you focus on today and you make today the very, very best you can, and if you're able to take any parental pressures of what they want because they've spent the money on this, and that there's, there always feels like there's some sort of payoff that mm-hmm. they're, that's trying to be achieved here. But if you allow the player to focus on the process of the room, of the shift, of the game, of the second, of everything they do, I think you'd be surprised to see how many players would decide they they personally want to go further. I think when they're playing for other reasons, and I've done this since 1984 was the first game I ever announced. I was a junior in high school. Um, Ranheim against Chorsky. Amazing. Vintage. Edina versus Southwest. I was on color. Wow. <laughs> that sucked. I want to play by play, but I had to win my turn. So anyway, Say senior was doing the game. Anyway, but I, I think... Um, what I've observed is who is this for and and gone is the dynamic because if you're a really good player as a, as a kid, you're going to be that player mm-hmm. and everybody knows who you are mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter who's around you. You just are. And then uh, that takes care of itself because you have fast twitch muscles. You have body composition, you have uh, mind composition, you have vision for the game, you have leadership capabilities, you shoot the puck a lot because you want to at home, you do things that maybe you don't want to off the ice and maybe give things up. Not a lot of guys do that. I think they go through the motions, but if you do it for what I would say to sound like Bachelor in Paradise, the right reasons. Uh, you know how I always question that. Um, you, you basically. Are you a fan? Oh, man, this show is amazing. This is the oh, Lord. best one they've ever best had. One ever. Oh, yikes. Did you hear well, what they did? You hear what no, they did? I don't want to know. So they brought in, like, the, in my opinion, the most impossible women ever for these guys. And it was rough. And uh, suddenly they said, ladies, pack your bags. You're out of here. Carson Palmer, okay, the rangy quarterback. Then, then he he he's like, "You're out of here!" And suddenly they brought in new ones right in front of their eyes. Wow! So they're watching all their connections break down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they went to this like resort, and then they brought in these five dudes, just as oh, awkward. they split them up. Yeah, wow. and so then it was like, okay, who's gonna start having connections here, and who's not? I had no idea you were such a fan. Oh, uh, my, do you want to start a pod about it with someone? My daughter, my daughter is demanding to do oh, one with me. There you go. She goes, nobody better at breaking down the, the franchise than you. The franchise. <laughs> I'm all over it. Oh. It's, you know why I like oh, it? Because it's dysfunction. You know, I mean, yeah. so I'm dysfunctional. Let's be honest. Look at me. So I, I sit here and go, okay, if I want to feel better about myself, I'll just watch this. But if I have to hear someone say open and vulnerable... One more time. Oh, yeah. I just stop. I don't need to hear that anymore. So there you go. You you're, guys are so awkward dis- right now. You don't you're want dysfunction. To do I've only been hearing competence from the last like half hour. It's well, been thank great. You. Well, I mean, maybe relationally. Was, yeah, <laughs> this is this <laughs> is your spot, right? Yeah, yeah. Behind the, the mic I is mean, good. Th- this is where I need to be. Yeah, this, yeah. yeah the, the, I, I've been a kind of a, a, a shit show in that regard. So not really. I don't know. Is it self-induced? Not really. It just just doesn't. I just suck. I'm a good dude. You know, I probably love my job too much. I think that's really the problem. 
I don't see uh, that being a problem. Because I've thrown my heart and soul into it from yeah. day one. And um, we work nights and weekends. Right. And sometimes a guy comes up with a sore throat and he can't do it or, you know, and then you just have to, you know, you guys are around it. You're mm-hmm. part of it. Yeah. Um, but it's really rewarding and fun, you know. So I can say the life work has been a blast. <laughs> but what am I doing it for? The love. The right reason. The love of the oh, game. Oh, I like yeah, that. Yeah. Circling See, back. Callback. That was a callback there. <laughs> there you go. So anyway, back on to you. A couple more final questions. I know you got to bounce because you got a tight schedule here. No, you're good. Um, cleared some things up. <laughs> you went to the phone. Yep. Uh, so I'll be home later, honey. Uh, see that difference between... Yeah, see, I wouldn't have done the text and then I would have been just shit on. Just yeah. like, get out of here. You don't care. I'm a communicator. I know. That. Well, so that's, that's why you have your job, right? right. Yeah, yeah, that's a big part. So... When you get into the season, how are you going to communicate? Um, obviously, there's a few players that have bounced or whatever, and you know your locker room's going to look a little bit different. Very different. How are you going to do it? So, actually, one of the things that I uh, spoke—I've been—I've I've spoken about this in even my day-to-day job managing people. You can't have a—it's more work on us as a coach and as a staff, but you can't have necessarily a blanket approach and communication to every single player. Players take things differently. They interpret things differently. They react differently. They're motivated by different things. So I've been doing this since Bantams. Mikey, thank you for this. Um, but uh, preseason evals, and it's not really X's and O's related at all. It's mm-hmm. I want to know what your favorite hockey team is. What's your favorite hockey movie? Can you figure out this riddle? Stuff like that. Who do you see on the team being a leader? Do you see leadership traits in yourself? Those kinds of things. Let them go through that. It really helps me figure out what makes them tick. Now, granted, I've had a lot of these kids for many years at this point, but that's a great step one in getting to learn about these kids. We bring them in like in that first week um, and just talk to them as a coaching staff and go through that player eval with them because then that's step one. Then you kind of know you're in your locker room if you need to tailor a message to a specific part of the room and with a specific tone or a specific message, you can do that. Um, but it is a lot of upfront work figuring out how to deliver the message, and then it might need to be delivered differently depending on who the audience is in your locker room how's your talent level talent level is going to be a bunch of guys that are going to work really hard and do whatever it's asked of them um we're going to have a, i mean you you were around last year we had a lot of seniors we had mm-hmm. some some guys sadly leave the program over the summer um so yeah it's going to be a very very different looking not only roster but staff as well um so it but i am very encouraged of what i've been hearing from from uh you know there's their tradition hockey that's been running the captain's practices i was around over the summer too um, it's going to be simple, but it's definitely going to be effective. That's awesome. Okay, and then in terms of your schedule, uh, it looks a little bit different this year, doesn't it? Yeah, it's definitely different than um, the, the past two years as well. Um, yeah, last year we definitely started to we got uh, back into the Lake Conference a little bit more last year, playing Eden Prairie and Minnetonka and Wyzetta, in addition to Buffalo and STMA that we've we've always been playing. Um, but yeah, definitely a lot of new opponents on the schedule this year. Um, new Ulm, something that's new to us. Um, I'm trying to think. Are you at home or away on that one? That's a road trip. That, mm. That's a road trip. You're most likely going to have a camera for your video too. Just know that. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Life's Love good. That. Life is good. I, I'm a film guy. I'm an analytics guy. So I'm, yeah, you and I have been talking yeah. about that. But no, the schedule's different, but it's also, I think, a, re- a great balance. I don't. I mean, we're still we're still playing Wyzetta. They're still on the schedule. Buffalo, STMA. Um, we're gonna get a rematch with Anoka from last year. Um, so yeah, I think it's the it's gonna be a nice little barometer too, and it's gonna be a great way for us to to show when we're circling back to our, our prior conversation about moving down to single A. 
it's not that like if we move down to single A, we're going to be a bunch of world beaters. We'll show our record against teams in the past and like, single A versus double A teams. It, that's the competitive level that we should be at. But yeah, it's going to be a uh, a different year in terms of scheduling. But I'm really excited, and I think it's we've. If you look at the schedule of the past, it almost got kind of redundant, like playing Providence. I mean, actually, believe it or not, uh, Providence had two coaches from my high school team back in Wisconsin, so that's a little no bit. Way. Yeah, Will Radke is was their JV coach for the last couple of years. He's now moving up to the varsity program. I may or may not have asked him if he wanted to, to jump ship and come aboard, and he's, he's staying loyal. Um, and then, yeah, one of my other buddies, uh, Matt McGilvery, was on their assistant staff as, as well. But, yeah, we just felt like it was the same kind of core teams over and over again. So getting a little splash of something different, uh, Irondale. I can't tell you last yeah, time Hopkins Jerry Hayes. Played, I can't tell yeah. you last time a team like Hopkins played that. Tatino Grace is on the schedule. Oh, nice squad. That's going to be on the uh, network. I've already gotten you know all my, every single opponent scouting record or scouting report uh, kind of started and yeah that was they're gonna have a lot of returners they got some talent they'll be good yeah very good very very good hockey team final question for you in this regard um, how are you going to work with the youth program the youth program actually we've already got off on a great foot uh, President Matt, Lick, Matt Lickty and great I guy. have already had awesome. A, Already have had a one-on-one. Archie and I have known each other. The band of May coach, Archie Skullback, he and I have known each other for a couple of years already. Really great open line of communication. Um, really uh, impressed with one of the – his name is A.J. Goff. He's the band of B2 mm-hmm. coach. But um, he really sees himself as a guy that wants to kind of get into like a director of hockey ops role. So I've seen somebody that wants Tom to – Tom Streeter. <laughs> kind of get out of the coaching thing but be willing to take that over. I think that's great because I think – one thing that I, I spoke about in my interview process and all of that was it's great that the youth comes to us all the time, like run, doing you know a shootout in between periods or you know playing a, a might scrimmage in between games. But we need to go to them. So one thing that we will be doing, hey JV and varsity guys, I think I told some of you guys all this already, um, but we will be making them go to at least one youth practice a month. I think we can all say, you know, looking back at our careers, regardless of what sport it is, when you are a seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old kid having a high school mm-hmm. varsity player at that practice, you're going to remember that more than anything else. You remember that day, that week, that month. Um, so that's one thing. Well, there's something that can help that player too. Um, sometimes when you're instructing or just even moving pucks, there's ways you look at things differently from Absolutely. your lens, Absolutely. not theirs. And I really have been impressed with what the, you know, the additions in terms of. PEP use uh, that the, we've unlisted all those tools and stuff like that and, and trained a couple of the co- youth coaches on being PEP instructors. So we have all of that stuff, you know, a new uh, like a TV that we can pull up right up against the glass to do visual instruction, the new cameras and stuff that are installed in the uh, Wow, you the can arena. pull that live on the TVs on the... Yeah. Yep. Are could, you serious? Yeah, so I can okay, so when you connect do that, our Spideo and then do camera. shoot me a text? Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm going to come take a video yeah. and send that to Spideo. Yeah, flip they're it around. They're going to lose their minds. Put it right on the glass, and yeah, I'm the, a video gonna guy. Lose their minds. It's going to be great. Live. Oh, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, there's, yeah, sure, you get a lot of value out of, you know, game film, but there's so much value in practice film, too, especially when you're oh. doing, like, special teams, power play, yep. penalty kill, when you're getting rep after rep after rep after rep. I feel like it's a waste to not try to record that stuff. I know some coaches that you know didn't have the fancy TV you're bringing, but they would uh, record Fridays because they're doing special teams yep. or coverages, and they might not like what they're seeing and they're recording the practice right. and they're tagging it. They got they've got the ops guy tagging it, yep. and then you say, "Oh, that was brutal," and then you bring them up to where the the video is, and they would show an iPad, yeah. and then you could say you can you can specifically show them. This isn't close. I think any era, if they had the ability to do that, would be so much better for it. Absolutely. And it's going to absolutely, you know, if you have a creative mind, you can take video 
uh, in so many different ways in practice and games and enhance the game. And I think it's great. And then with the analytics that are going to come along with it, it's really, really incredible. So Yeah, I'm excited for that. And, yeah, just the youth has just been so open and welcoming already. Matt's basically being whatever you need, let me know. And I kind of tell him the same thing. I want this to be a program. I want people to say when it's Hopkins hockey, you need to have a follow-up question to ask what team you're talking about. Is it the varsity team? Is it the Pee B2 team or whatever it may be? Um, and then uh, also just excited for the future too. The, the idea is there and there's, you know, we're, we want that rink really bad to, hop, to be uh, not owned by Hopkins, to be owned by Hopkins Youth Hockey or Hopkins uh, HYHA so that we can have that ice all year long. That would be amazing. That'd be a huge step forward. Are you guys for, thinking about buying the rink? There's been rumors. I don't have much wow. on uh, concrete on that, but there has wow. been rumors about that. And then even something even more minor as look, I know there are um, conversations that are looking into add a like dry land facility at the pavilion. Just, mm-hmm. wow. you know, showing that we're going to put money into this program. You and I had this conversation, Pete, that I think one of the problems with Hopkins hockey in the community is indifference. I think there's a lot of people that don't know about Hopkins hockey. I would rather know that we've been struggling for a while. It shows that they care, that they're invested right. in it, um, rather than they don't know. So that was another thing that I, I ran on, too. It's, it's getting us back involved in the community in one way, shape, or form to get that pavilion packed again. You told me that story about the Hopkins versus Dinah game when, when I think Danny was around. Like, I want to pack the barn. It was – they used to bring in bleachers for the corners from right. the baseball fields. Because there'd be so many people there. You know, and the Hornets walk out uh, with an empty netter and it's 3-1. And uh, they were very concerned. And, you know, it was good hockey. Uh, a team would go into Braemar. They lose 7-4 to four the year. Edina wins a state title in 14. And four goals allowed were the most they had allowed in any game. And it was at Braemar. These kids are no different. There were, there were 28 Bantams exactly. uh, his freshman year. They did that. There were no move-ins. There were move-outs. There you go. So uh, I don't buy that excuse deal at all. Uh, I do believe that if everybody understands it's about the moment and not about mine and what can I get. And I feel like the indifference that we were speaking of, I think, is really interesting. So you could say, what do you know about Hopkins to a random person? And you two guys would be like, "Mm, I don't know basketball are they bad i don't know are they good i don't know what they are and that's indifference it's like oh it exists you know and that's where it is and and they don't even know if it's bad or if it's good and i think that to you dylan was like whoa that's brutal you know and and there's no identity back to the theme of the show yes right absolutely and um i think what you are smart to do is that the one thing that i would suggest i am like talking way more about this than i should but i don't i don't care i'm gonna (laughs) Why Go not? for it. We're, we're a small association runs into trouble like this, and this is for a lot of the small associations. The larger ones seem to run better. I'm going to use the Dyna Hockey Association. I'm very close to it. Mm-hmm. Runs absolutely like a machine. And how do you do that when you have boards that are turning over every two to three years? How can you do that? Are they more talented as leaders? No. They're no different than anybody else. But what they do is they have the structure in place. They have one thing that nobody else does, and it's numbers. When you have players that can play all over the place and play at the right levels, it takes care of itself. When you don't have numbers, and when you have numbers, by the way, real quick, it's hard to take control of anything because there's too many numbers. When you have small associations like the Hopkins group, like you have, it's really easy for a, a simple little group of people to take control of the process. 
And when you do, then you control outcomes. And when outcomes are controlled, that's when you start having players flee like crazy because it's messed up. Mm -hmm. That, I think, is the biggest issue because you're small and you don't have the numbers that command just running a program. It becomes micromanaging a program and not like letting the hockey take care of itself. I know Matt Lichty works really hard, oh, yeah. to, and, and I have to say, tip of the cap. He's been amazing. He's been a really strong fixture in that. Uh, but there will always be that element. You're also only as good as your coaches. So if you got a guy like Jack Hillen, who's running now the Pee Wee group, I mean, That's the guy it. played in the pros. Yep. I mean, mm -hmm. he's an incredible coach. He was a skipper's coach. Go Stars. Every single kid that's coming up through the program has been, there he is, the Alma. Uh, <laughs> Every kid that's coming up through the program has, at that age, and maybe his younger kid's age, has been impacted by what he's doing. That group is going to be good. Absolutely. Then the group in front of it. Is it Dan Tompkins? Okay, there's another poobah who's, like, leading the, the way in the coaching for that, right? And then you got Archie at Banamay. And... Right. So if you have leadership in parents at the coaching level, no matter what guys bounce, the whole group is benefiting because they're being taken care of and cultivated. I think you're going to see that, even though you'll probably have some kids bouncing from here to here because it's the nature of the beast Absolutely. is what you got. Yep, we know where we, we are. We're surrounded by Breck and Blake and, and all that and Benil. And so that's just part of being part of the Hopkins program. We understand that. And uh, But, you know, like you said, we got a great structure, a great foundation at that, that youth program now, and, and hopefully that can kind of develop some Do you want to know how you can succeed, my opinion? Lay it on me, Pete. If you can maintain some semblance of consistency personally f and be there, yeah, like for years, yeah. Um, if you if you can create a culture in which players feel as though they are personally getting better and maybe maintaining their goals, and if the goals are achievable, uh, if parents can somehow understand that this is their game, the players' game, and not their game. Mm -hmm. Um, and then if that executes and that continues to feed itself, then it becomes, how can I get there as opposed to how can I get out of there? Mm -hmm. Love that. And like you talked, uh, the first question, like, what does this mean to me? It's an honor. Like mm -hmm. never in a million years would I have ever thought I would be a head varsity coach in the state of Minnesota. So I bleed blue. I'm a Hopkins Royal. I granted, sorry, Captain Royal Crusaders. I'm a royal now. Uh, I'm a royal That's now. That's great. This is not a stepping hey. stone for me in any way, shape, or form. Like I said, I never thought I'd be here in the first place. Like, this is where I want to be, and this is where I plan on being for quite some time. I was an Edina guy, and I bleed yellow. Green Blue and, and gold. green makes yellow. <laughs> Blue and green makes yellow. Oh, there so, you go. Color so, wheel. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I, I, boy, that one fell. Okay, next. So, um, but, but it, it's true. And um, it, it's super cool that you can recognize that. And I'm sure you will be leaning on plenty of uh, uh, veterans and people around the business because uh, that's what uh, what you do to be better. Absolutely. It takes a village. And, you know, even Vecchi's been super helpful, even if in a separate, going in this, uh, a new direction. We talk at least once a week. And just see everybody from the boosters to, you know, the youth association, the text messages I've got from, from parents and just being like, you let us know what you need so that you can focus on the game of hockey. So, yeah, I've, I've been just overwhelmed with the, the support I've gotten in the first couple of weeks in, in this role. It's great. Um, I'm really looking forward to, you know, getting that alumni connection back, those guys that had the, the, the glory days at Hopkins, come back, 
please come back, show it to these guys. Let them know that, you know, the last couple of years are not what always, or it's not what Hopkins has always mm-hmm. been. This was just a little blip in the radar the last couple of years. It's over. It's done with. We're changing it. It's a new future. Indeed it is. Uh, guys, we're going to have to uh, call it a day here. Yeah. No worries. We good? Yes. We're good. Right. Really? This was terrific. Did, really? It was. Okay. okay. It kind of became the Dylan and Pete show. So. Hey, no. <laughs> sorry sorry about that. All right. Well, uh, that'll do it quickly. Give me your uh, Phillies uh, Astros Ooh. prediction. Uh, Astros in six. You. I'm cheating a- or not cheating? <laughs> not cheating. Okay. I'm gonna. I was thinking the same thing. Astros and six as well. Oh yeah. Stros clean sweep. Oh, wow. I think Philly's hot. They'll take a couple. I'll take Philly four three, and seven and seven. Love mm-hmm. it. That'd be great. Why not? We'll check in next week. I don't yeah. like the Phillies things with the stars. I don't like that crest logo. Uh, uh, I like the P. The Old P. School. Classic font. Pete Rose. Yeah. Like that. All right, guys. That's gonna do it. Uh, what another show. Glenn yeah. Gray, thanks for putting up with us back there. You're the man. For Brandon Spratt and Matt Harrington, Dylan Talkovic, I'm Pete Wagner. So long, everybody. <laughs>